Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Roll here, and joining me today is Ryan Moran. Uh, Ryan's the author of his new book, 12 Months to One Million, and the founder of Capitalism.com, uh, where he teaches entrepreneurs to build businesses and invest the profits. Uh, he's a genius at this stuff. Uh, he's best known for helping over 300 entrepreneurs build seven-figure companies. Uh, I'm super excited to chat uh, a few things, launching a book during a p- pandemic, why launch a book to begin with? <laughs> How does this fit in with his business? Uh, Ryan is a very strategic guy. So I know he's got uh, some intentional things behind this as well as uh, getting reviews and focusing on audiobook sales. So um, those are kind of three things uh, you'll have to uh, look forward in the interview. But first off, Ryan, great to have you here. What's up, Chandler? Good to see you, dude. You are handsome as ever. <laughs> right back at you. So uh, first thing, why, why write a book? Like, why write a book and, and how does this fit in with your goals uh, kind of from a business perspective? Masochistic tendencies, Chandler. That's that's the reason to write write the book. So, you know, p- part of me is a little bit um, a- afraid of the questions you're going to ask me in this interview, Chandler, because this was probably the one project that I had very little strategy for. So my, I, you're right, I, I think very strategically, my brain, I love Risk and Monopoly. You know, those are my two favorite board games. Those are the board games I'm always ahead on. I like Settlers of Catan. I'm thinking at nine steps ahead. Writing a book kind of throws that out the window, especially when you launch and then the world shuts down. So I had a plan, I had a strategy, and I had to go get a different playbook. And so a lot of this was done on the fly. And we'll talk about that pivot and and what worked because some things really worked to my advantage when I made some pivots. But from like a why perspective, you know, I had a great conversation with my agent, uh, his name's Scott. And and Scott and I went to to coffee one day. I was not a client of his at the time. And I saw him give this presentation and I was the next speaker on stage to give a presentation. And uh, we just struck up a conversation and, and went to coffee afterwards. And I told him, I was like, you know, Scott, I, I, I've wanted to write a book for some time and I just kind of get stuck in the process. What would you recommend? And he said the, something that really changed the way that I view this. He said, after we talked for a few minutes, he said, your problem is you're writing a memoir. You're trying to put everything you've ever known into a book. And the purpose of a book is to take a reader from point A to point B, from no understanding to the first point of understanding. And that's when I realized that I was making the process way too hard. And so we kept talking about it. And he said, well, you know, if you ask the people who follow your work, what's, what's the number one thing you'd like to hear Ryan talk about? I said, well, to be honest with you, I'd pr- they'd probably tell me that I should talk about the thing that I talk all the time about, the thing I'm tired of talking about, the thing that is, you know, the greatest hit on the album. And, and that is how to build a million dollar business in 12 months or less. But I've said it a thousand times. He was like, that's what you should write the book about. (laughs) Dang it, Scott. What? So, so the reason was because I had 
an itch to scratch. But Chandler, if you can't tell by my energy in this conversation, my favorite thing is doing interviews and talking about deep philosophical ideas and sometimes getting into controversial topics. And so the way that I justified the writing of the book was that I knew it would open up more PR opportunities, more opportunities for me to be on podcasts like this one, me for me to talk about deep philosophical things, which is my favorite thing to do. And so it was a proxy for me to get my foot in the door with more relationships. And that was my selfish reason for writing the book. The selfless reason was because it was literally everything that I knew in, in a $20 package, which I just knew would serve a lot of people. But I'm, I, like most people, am selfishly motivated. And mine was because I wanted to do more speaking. Totally. That's great. And I think there's two two things that you touched on that I really love there of knowing, treating this as like, okay, this is going to be a door opener to insert yeah. objective that you have. But then also, and I think this is super important for people watching, watching, listening to this is writing about the thing that you're tired of talking about. Because I think naturally people just discard that and, and they say, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about that. So I'm going to write a book on this. And I always say it's like the best way to stop talking about that thing is to write a book on it and then just <laughs> point, exactly right. point to that book and say, oh, cool, great question. Have you got my book? I can <laughs> edify that point because that I, have, I, I wouldn't have believed you before I wrote the book, but now I do have this thing that I, could, I can just kind of briefly answer the question and say like, look, the best way I can serve you and the most affordable way that I can serve you on this topic is to just go buy my book. And, and I don't care if you do the audio book or the Kindle, yeah. or if you torrent yeah. it or what, just like go get yeah. it from the library, yeah. just go read it. I've answered every question that you've got on this. <laughs> uh, there's nothing like dropping the mic on a topic in book form. Uh, so you talked about uh, someone who, uh, who you know, prefers to speak, prefers to do interviews, all those things. So, so how did you actually write the book? Did you, did you use that mechanism? Did you do something else? Like, how did you actually get the book written? Yeah. So it was, it was a, uh, several iterations where I worked with, you could call it a ghostwriter. I suppose that person interviewed me and trans, we had long conversations. They transcribed my thoughts. They edited them into like a first pass, which I then went and top graded and cleaned up and added my own words to, and that became the manuscript. So it is, it is my words and I wrote it, but like the first, the first word vomit was somebody transcribing my language. It was then handed over to a professional editor and they did their pass, which is really what makes you sound really smart. Um, I told my publisher that the editor they brought to the table was worth the deal that I struck with them because it just made the same words that I was saying sound better and cleaner. And then I had final edit again to like beef up the sections that I thought had been taken out too much. And so it was me doing it vocally with some help, then me writing it, editing it, and then me having final pass. So it was like a six part process. Yeah. Love that. One or two takeaways from that process of things that you say, ah, knowing what I know now, here, here's what I do differently or here's what I recommend. You know, I wish I had had tighter deadlines because I am amazed at how much I can write when I have to. Yeah, I'm amazed. I mean, I can do like 10,000 words in a day if I have to, right? Parkinson's and, and so- so, so, so it's a long day, 
but like it didn't feel hard per se. It just felt long. Yeah. And so I, I, I wish I had tighter deadlines. I could have, I could have done the, the book faster. And um, I, I'm, the thing that I think worked the best was that I gave my editor permission to edit me ruthlessly. And I, I also give this permission to my video editors. Like I've said the same thing 50 times, edit me ruthlessly so that it's, it makes sense and is valuable to you. And having that permission of not taking what I say to be so sacred and willing to let a lot of words get deleted made the book better. It didn't make my ego happy, but it made the book much better. Yes, I love that. (laughs) And love great editors and love ruthless editing. Yes, uh, and if you write past your word count, especially, I feel like it just makes such a better book because they they truly are trimming the fat. Let's let's fast forward. So, all right, that's how you wrote it. Let's let's talk marketing, and and this is where I think you know we're gonna have a lot of fun in this conversation. So, uh, fast forward to the marketing of the book. What what it like? What did you do to market the book? And what sold the most copies? And then I'm maybe we'll go down this rabbit trail in this, or I'll circle back after, and we can talk about launching in the middle of a pandemic and kind of how that changed things. Sure. So now, keep in mind, uh, launch week, most people are trying to like get all of their assets lined up for that launch week so that you can hit the charts. And and I did that, but the point of a launch is to get enough awareness so that a year from now, your book is selling more than, than it is today. And I am proud to say that my sales are more than double what they were when we launched, right? And it's been, it's been seven months, six months or seven months since we launched. And I mean, sales are double what they were when we launched. There's a reason for that. And we'll talk about it. Now, to answer your question, in my book, I talk about how important it is at the beginning stages to go all in on every customer, on every positive review you get on a product you sell, on every influencer you can, you can connect with, every relationship you have. Every time somebody leaves a positive piece of feedback, screenshot that and post it on social media. I mean, every micro turn of the dial matters. And That's what I did with my book. That was my launch process. I had plans to go do a speaking tour. I had plans to go travel all over the place and do all the podcast relationships that I had built up over 10 years of networking as an entrepreneur. And a lot of them didn't go through because the whole world melted. I couldn't go on my speaking tour. So that plan went out the window. So I went all in on every micro turn of the dial. Like every review I got, I screenshot it and posted. A, a friend of mine saw me do a, 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 a YouTube live where I was interacting with a few people. And at the end of that live, I said publicly, hey, everybody, um, it would mean the world to me if you bought the book and you watched the book or, or you listened to the book or you read the book. Would you go leave a review and do it on this live so that I can say thank you to you? I can thank you personally. And then I said this, and this is what he commented on. I said, I'm sitting just below 50 reviews and I want to cross it while we're sitting here. 
Now, the reason why that meant so much to my friend, because he was like, this dude who is a successful, accomplished person with a following is still climbing and begging and borrowing and asking for every little inch forward. And I was. So now I'm over, you know, now I'm well over 400 reviews, 4.8 star average. I'm not asking for them anymore, but I was at the beginning. You know, in my book, I call that the grind. It is just like clamming around for every inch of progress possible. Every sale I'm saying, thank you. I mean, I, I was just grateful for anybody who found my work and you do that for long enough until you can't keep up with the momentum anymore. And most people don't realize how long of a process that can be. And so I just went back to my old fashioned, I'm going to hustle my way to the top here. And, you know, it, at its peak, um, I was, I was the number nine audiobook in the world. It was me, Michelle Obama, Jordan Peterson hanging out at the top, you know, and that, and that didn't happen until November, which was five or six months after launch. And so that was me putting in the grind work at the beginning to have enough raving fans to keep the word of mouth going, to be able to hit that, hit that point. Mm, that's awesome. Was there anything that happened in November that triggered that? Yes. Or was it, okay, cool. So Amazon did a Black Friday promotion that, and that I got included in. Don't know why, don't know who picked me. Hmm. So that's the beauty of selling on Amazon, whether it's a physical product or a book, is you're part of this big old marketing machine. Now for yeah. me, my audiobook was sitting right around you know, n- number 1000 on the bestseller, like nothing to write home about. I don't know what volume that is, but that's, that was number 1000 on the bestseller list. Woohoo. Then when Amazon promoted me, I jumped to like position 200 or 250 or something, right? That's good. That's a really nice push. But what I, when I saw that, I just saw an opportunity to go like go all in. This is my yeah. second chance to go leverage every relationship, to go mm. grind again, to me hit my list again, for me to post on social yeah. media again, for me to do a couple podcasts about this, for me to do YouTube videos, for me to just like throw in all the chips yeah. again. I got a second wind now. Yeah. When well, so, you have a reason to talk about it, right? Which is exactly, exactly right. what you're just saying. Yeah. That's exactly right. So now I'm leveraging that momentum. That pushed me into the top 100. And when I got into the top 100, I went in and I tried to squeeze that sponge a little bit more, right? Because now I've got some momentum. I'm starting to show up on charts. And it got to the point where I went all the way to like top 20. And then it was just me asking personal favors, right? It's like, if I have, you can look up my posts. If I have ever done anything for you in history, please consider spending $6 on my audiobook. You know, like, like, would you pl- then I'm just begging at that point. And, and that broke me into the top 10. And now I, now I'm, now I'm number one in all my categories. And guess what I'm doing with that one? Using that as a reason to go back and put out every request possible. So every reason is another opportunity for you to go ask for that little inch forward and that other inch forward and that other inch forward. To me, this is a three-year play. You know, it's, I, I am in mark in on marketing this book for three years and then I will have had a real at bat at having an amazing book. Mm. How did you come to that point? Cause I feel like so many authors don't look at it like that. They say launch week, 
And then honestly, by the time that launch week even comes along, they're already like, all right, I'm kind of over this. What's next? Like, how did you get to a point where you're saying, hey, this is a three-year commitment? Because I am a businessman and I know how long it takes for a business to get off the ground. I know how long it takes for a podcast to get off the ground. I know how long it takes to get a YouTube channel off the ground. I know how long it takes and it takes two to three years. And so why would I think a book would be any different unless I, unless I get a surprise call from my buddy, Joe Rogan, you know, and my, and my, and my friend, Barack Obama, you know, and, and my cousin, Donald Trump, and they're all going to tweet about me on the same day, you know, like, unless that's going to happen, I'm going to have to hustle it. Like I'm going to have to spend the time to do this. Now the Jordan Petersons of the world who have that, like they sort of had an audience, but then it takes off. Like that does happen, but it happens on the back of things like him doing years of YouTube videos, him doing years of making an impact in other people's lives. And then he wrote a book that was deserving to go viral and have that impact. And it didn't happen right away. And so I I expect the same for me. Like I, The success that I've had with this book is on the back of years of podcasts, years of videos, years of building goodwill in my customers. And now I've written a book that I believe is deserving of being number one in its category, but I still expect this to be an entry point for me to continue building that audience and continuing to build that following, knowing that three years from now, I'll be at a different place, but I do not get to skip steps. Yeah. That's great. It's the, the classic, uh, takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Right. Uh-huh. And, 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 uh, the people see the tip of the iceberg, not the, the, the big old mass of the iceberg that's underneath the surface. No hey, joke. I want to ask a, a follow-up there. You, you alluded to this a little bit, but obviously you've got a, an extensive background in physical products, uh, in, in selling phys- physical products. Like it, were there any transfer lessons, uh, from a reviews perspective, uh, from a, book sales perspective like was there any transfer um, that you used that said oh this is the same playbook and i just used it same thing i would do for a physical product for a book like what was the crossover so so it was the same playbook because the platform was the same you sell both on amazon but also it's just the playbook to having happy customers like you go the the playbook is this you make a great freaking product Step two, you market it as well as your assets and your network allows. Number three, you stay in gratitude for every single win, meaning every customer, every positive review, and you leverage them publicly as much as you can. That's the playbook. And then you let the cards fall. And the only control you have is over how much you go all in on those customers, how much you leverage the goodwill they give you publicly and then relationships that you build. And then the product quality has to take care of itself. That's great. It, and and it's, it's actually very similar in the physical product world where there are people who will game reviews or they'll game the Amazon algorithm or something and they'll rank number one, but then they just get, they just get, taken to the cleaners with reviews because their product sucks. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like your marketing is only as good as your product is. Like if if you make a crappy product or write a terrible book, you do not want marketing because it will expose all your cracks. And so most people they they put the marketing and the launch and the strategy on a pedestal and they and they undervalue the quality of the product. The product has to be great for anything to matter. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. How did you pivot? And, uh, and I, I, well, I think in, in what is one of the, the, the most overused words of 2020, <laughs> but how did you adjust what, what you, like how you launched this book? What were the plans pre-COVID? How did those change? And you, you, I think you mentioned this kind of at the, at the top, but it actually ended up working in your advantage. And so what did that look like? What it looked like was not very strategic, very fly-by you know, my, my pants, it, it looked like this. My plan was that I was going to do a speaking appearances. If you pre-ordered a certain amount of books, I'd come to a speaking event at your place. I was going to spend the year flying around doing keynotes and promoting the book and going to people's in-person podcasts. And I had put so much weight into that, that when it hit, I was just toast. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. I literally have no idea. The, like I was so stoked that I was going to be in Barnes and Noble. I mean, this was like, I couldn't wait to tell my grandma to go to Barnes and Noble because she would finally know what I did for a living. I was so stoked for this. Oh, guess what? You know, Barnes and Noble ain't doing so well. They don't have a lot of turnover. They're not taking on a lot of new books, right? Okay. Plan, plan B. Didn't have one of those. What do I do now? Whatever you can. And then now it's, I'll take every podcast, yes. And then it is things like holding live webinars for my audience and just like being there for them, answering questions, and then saying things like, if you bought the book on this call, will you tell me so I can say thank you? And doing weird things when I'm live, like, hey, so-and-so, um, my friend is thinking about buying your book. And me being on live, being like, put your number in the comments. Let me call your friend. And, and like that kind of stuff, like totally unscalable stuff. That is where I went. And when you can be humble enough to do that kind of stuff, then you start to grow. I, I work with a lot of business owners who have never taken a sale but are asking how they grow to 10 million. I mean, you have to start by taking a sale. What do I do then? Have you done step one yet? And, and, and so for me, it was, it was literally me starting to take my own advice, which was just being willing to start very small and going very micro 
until it mattered. And you have to be humble enough to do that kind of work in order to get to that point where it matters. Love that. And, and, uh, uh, it's just like, so I always say like, until you have, until you have sales, you don't have a business, you have a business idea. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so it's, it's being willing to do the scrappy things, the non-scalable things, but then also just saying, will you buy my book <laughs> or what insert whatever thing that you're selling, asking for the sale, anything else from a p- pandemic pivot, if you will. Uh, well, and, and, I mean, and, and how did that work to, to your advantage? I tried to build a funnel. I finally accepted I'm just not a funnel guy. I really want to be. Like, I really want to be the guy that can spend $3,000 a day on Facebook ads, break even, and turn that into long-term customers. I've been in this game for 15 years, never had a funnel that could do that. Maybe I'm just not a funnel guy. Really want to be. So part of it is also just like owning my skill set and what I'm willing to do. And that skill set is, I am good at podcast interviews. I am good at creating content. I am good at emailing my list. And although I, I overlook those things because I know their drawbacks and their limitations and my audience isn't that big, that's what I've got. And that's where I got to focus. I wish I could scale and have a thousand book sales a day through a funnel. Russell Brunson can, but I'm not Russell Brunson. Some days I wish I was. And so it is. it was just re- doubling down on the assets that I had. Yes, I tried some other things that didn't work so well. And that just pointed me back to the assets I did have. Cool. And I want, I want to t- chat reviews and then come back to audiobook stuff. So you mentioned some of these, and I'm just curious if, there, if there's anything else that you did that you saw that worked well from a reviews perspective. Because four, yeah. 400 something reviews and... and how many ever months, a few, a handful of months, like that's very solid. And you've, you've obviously done a great job of that. So a couple of things. Number one, um, I was, I was willing to ask at the very beginning, you know, until I was at a hundred reviews, it was guys, will you go like, just do me a solid, please go leave a review. That's number one. Number two, I celebrated my reviews publicly. I emailed them to my list. I posted them on social media. I, I shared them publicly. I showed that I appreciate them, that I was watching, that I was willing to celebrate them. And that, that matters. Your audience sees that and what gets celebrated gets repeated. So that was step two. And, and, and number three, sorry for the humble brag, but I wrote a great freaking book. Like, like it was, I put everything into it to the point where if somebody leaves a negative review, other people gang up on them. Like, what did? What are you talking about? You unappreciative zero. Did you read the book? Like, I mean, people will gang up on, on the people who leave negative reviews. And that actually says, you know what? I hadn't left a review yet. I saw that you, and I will post my negative reviews publicly too. And so people will say like, I hadn't left a review. That made me so mad that I went and left you a review. Right. So it is, it is just being willing to share everything publicly and not having like a secret agenda to writing the book. If somebody reads my book and then never interacts with me again, but they found value, I did my job. So it wasn't a disguised sales pitch. It wasn't a foot in the door to get more clients. It was a great book. And I know that by doing that, I will, as a byproduct, 
get more PR and more clients and all the other things that people prioritize. Nice. Now, uh, what about the audiobook side of things? Why has the audiobook been such a focus? And how have you done, like, is there anything you, you've done differently to prioritize people buying the audiobook? Is that just kind of how it shook out because you have a podcast and people are used to that format? Or, or what would you say are like the two or three things that have, have really moved the needle from an audiobook perspective? I read my own audiobook, which was a grind and worth it. So I was really proud of the quality of the audiobook. I've gotten the best feedback from the audiobook. So I've had, I've heard people say, I've listened, I'm on my third time through. No one says that about the written part. I haven't heard people say that about the written part. They might say, I went back and read chapter two again, but people who listen to the audiobook are like, I'm on my third time through it. That's a sign to me, right? That's, that's a sign that people are consuming it and that it's preferable. And all I really want is for them to read the book. And so I don't care which mechanism you choose. I just want you to read it. And so when you start to see kind of those signs, you know, that, that something's working. Also, what was interesting, um, I did not plan for this. I planned for this not to happen. Audible and Amazon are separate departments, even though they're the same company. So Audible was way behind during COVID. I mean, way behind, months behind. My audiobook did not launch until two months after the book was out. Gave me another reason to promote. Yes. I wanted them all to come out at the same time. Yeah. Didn't happen that way. So I promoted that like crazy. And it worked to my advantage because as I was promoting the physical book, it was just getting inundated with people saying, when is there going to be an audiobook? When is there going to be an audiobook? And then the audiobook hit and it started outselling the physical book. That's when you know to go all in. <laughs> that's great. And that's not, it's funny. We recommend that strategically uh, because it's, it's another launch. I should have given right? you money, Chandler. I did not know this ahead of time. But it, I mean, but honestly, they're like the way, the way that you did that, um, super smart and super strategic. And um, for, for any, uh, for anyone listening or watching this as well, just know that Audible is almost always backed up. So that's like a, kind of a tip within a tip. Like that's more than usual. But if I had a dollar for every author that had their audiobook launch delayed because of Audible, I would have a lot of dollars, <laughs> a lot more than I have now. Uh, and uh, so that yes, they are owned by Amazon, but they don't seem to be run as well from my perspective. Um, and so there are, I think there are much, much, I think there are much smaller team than people realize. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. Last couple of questions. Why, like, how does this fit in with your business? Like, what are the, what are kind of the, the business objectives longer term and how does this book fit in with that? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my long-term business strategy with this is I want equity in companies. So my, my expertise is helping entrepreneurs build seven figure businesses that they can sell. That is my bread and butter, hundreds of success stories of people who have built seven figure businesses. And I've just been teaching it publicly and for free and in some of like my classes and stuff like that. And I had the thought that if I teach it to a wider base of people who are just starting their journey, maybe I could serve as an advisor to the next thing that really breaks out. And so that is my long-term strategy to influence somebody at the beginning of their journey 
and to have the audience and the infrastructure to be able to take an equity position in that company and it'd be beneficial for them. So that that is my play with the book. Beyond that, I just wanted to write a great book. I just wanted, I wanted the pride of writing a book. And yes, it gives me name recognition and appearances, but I love building audiences and advising companies. Those are the two things I enjoy the most. Before I was chatting with you, I was advising with uh, a nine-figure manufacturing company that is familiar with my work and considering giving me points in the company, right? And, but, and just like the book, I had absolutely no agenda on that call. I just went in to help. And so that is, that is how I approach business. I, I punt the result. I follow how I can be of service. I follow the excitement and I let the cards fall where they're going to fall. That's awesome. Hey, Ryan, know, knowing what you know now, if you were to go back to, uh, you know, Ryan from how, however long ago before you started this book or all the Ryans who are listening, watching, thinking about or about to go on the journey of, of writing their first book, what would be your advice for those folks? I would have leveraged my relationships harder. I have so many good relationships that I just left on the table. And it was just out of fear of it making the ask. Like I should have been hounding my friends. It would be like, look, this is my life's work. Do me one solid and put me on your show. Like I should have been relentless in that. And so now I'm going back and doing it. And I wish I had just done it earlier in the process. Put differently. Let me actually phrase this differently. I wish I had had the confidence of knowing I had a winner before I had a winner. Now I have a winner. So I have some leverage in my relationships, but I wish that I had led with just knowing, knowing that my confidence came from that. I wrote a great freaking book. Yes. I'm number one in the business category on Amazon. Who cares for more than nine seconds? Nobody. So why am I waiting for that validation? to go back and be confident to go make the ask. No, be confident that you wrote a great freaking book. And it just so happens that if you have that type of confidence going in to talk about your product, you'll probably also hit number one. That's great. And, and so relatable. <laughs> it's like when, you're, when your confidence precedes the external validation, yes. uh, which I think for a lot of people, myself included, feel, feels like this huge catch 22 yes. or, or chicken or the egg or whatever you want to so, call so, it. So you have to have confidence in something that is not determined by the external validation. Yes. My book is my book, regardless of if it hits number one or stays at a thousand. So am I proud enough of the book for me to <laughs> network like heck mm-hmm. to be able to make those connections. Am I proud of the results that I know it will create for people's lives in order for me to start hitting the pavement before it hits number one, right? Because how many people can say, you know, best-selling author? People game that stuff, right? But if you create a book that impacts one person's life, that's, that's your motivation, when you are, when you're motivated by the impact that it makes in somebody else, that it, you don't have to have external validation for that. You can just run on energy for that, right? So, but if you are like, have to get to number one, have to get number one, you're always operating from a place of personal deficit. And, th- and then you're just tense and angry and not fun to be around and nobody wants you on their show. 
So you have to be confident in something else that is not the external validation and you run on that energy. You leverage that. That's great. Awesome. Hey, this is a great place to wrap. Uh, Ryan, where, where can people find out more about you, what you're up to, buy your book, all that good stuff? I wrote a great freaking book and that's where they should go. My book is called 12 Months to 1 Million. It is how to pick a winning product, build a real business and become a seven-figure entrepreneur. I don't care where you get it. If you get it from the library, if you torrent it, if you download the audiobook, don't care, just read it. It's a really great book. My website is capitalism.com. And that is where I train entrepreneurs to build businesses that create impact and change in their communities and in the world. And uh, my podcast is also called capitalism.com. That's where you can find everything that I know for almost free. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, 12 months to 1 million, grab it, review it. And, and who knows, you might just be a screenshot that gets shared uh, <laughs> after you leave a review. Uh, hey, Ryan, thanks so much. This was awesome. Thank you, Chandler. I really enjoyed it. Great to hang out with all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important in helping the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.